What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Loyal Sun Show. That's at The Loyal Sons on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Follow us there and follow us here anywhere you get your podcasts for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love the fact that camp is starting this week and hate how far actual football still is, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, brought to you by Section 5. We're back. It's pretty much camp season. Some of you may be listening to this after the start of camp, but this episode is coming out on Monday, so we've still got another day before camp actually starts, but it's pretty much all football mode at this point. We're back. We're itching for football. I know I've been searching the web for any bit of video, whether it's from Steelers training camp, any practice videos from the pit offseason workouts. I'm I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel here, trying to get my football fix in, but we're not too far. Squid, how you feeling? Oh, I'm pumped. We talked with Chris Peak today to really, really finally get us in that camp mode. I talked about some position battles, talked about what to expect. Uh, we talked about a million other things that were extremely off topic, but very entertaining. So lemon pepper wings from magic city. Yeah. That's what we call a tease. So keep listening for all that and more, but yeah, you said it best. I was watching some videos of Pickett throwing touchdowns and Steelers camp and was thinking about how cool it'd be if you're allowed to do that at pit training camp, but college practices are more locked down than like area 51. So good luck with that. Yeah, Narduzzi doesn't want any more eyeballs than there needs to be on any bit of practice. So, yeah, I've watched a lot of those picket videos as well. A um, couple things to note. It's great to watch, like, look at this deep ball that picket through to George Pickens. What a ball. And then also every other video, I'm like, Alex Highsmith absolutely just would have sacked him in a live game. Training camp videos are so hard to take in. And it's also your team going against your team. So you're like, oh, nice 50-yard touchdown. That means our defense also got burnt. So, uh, yeah, training camp videos are weird, but I'll take all. That's all we got right now, so I'll take what we can get. But uh, like we said, we talked to Chris Peak for about an hour. He was amazing as usual. So without further ado, here is the Loyal Sons with Chris Peak. Please welcome back to the show a very special guest, Pitt Sports reporter extraordinaire Chris Peak. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. I'm fitting to talk a little pit sports. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> it's always it's fun. I, was it last year, last summer that we did this before? It was. When yeah, was I that? Think, I think the dead of June or or maybe May. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's been too are long. You, are you going to explain to the people why you you just dropped a finna? Does that need an explanation? I mean, clearly, it's you know, it's a really popular way to talk and a common thing to say when you're fitting to do something now i've I've made the joke before that i would read that on twitter or whatever and i had no idea what it meant i thought it was short for finally i didn't realize it meant fitting to or fixing to or about to and you know shout out to vincent davis for his post-game interview after the georgia tech game in 2020 when he said they were fitting to get crazy or whatever they were going to do not too crazy because of covid but i was like oh that's what that means and so i'm trying to work it in three years later i'm trying to work it into my sort of daily lexicon it's not really catching on here in the peak household but we're, you know, we'll keep pushing it we'll keep we'll keep we'll keep working it a little bit i'm workshopping it i guess i'm workshopping it so i tried it out here on the loyal sons so how did well, it go the, did it work i mean 
Yeah, right? but for the record, Vinny Davis said they're finna get lit. Oh, so. finna get lit. See, I mm-hmm. I gotta go one word at a time. You know, yeah. I can't I can't take the whole thing at once, you know. Do you know what lit means? I, I think so. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just making sure. Yeah, We're I'm, here I'm to on be a that. Resource. I mean, I pr- I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. You guys are, are younger, you're you know, you're you're you know, boots on the ground type of guys, and uh, you know, I, I I'll have to turn to you more often when I'm uh, unclear about some of these things. I feel really old in the midst of this conversation, but that's all right. You know, what are you gonna do? No, please come to us. You know you aren't gonna get like anything useful out of us in terms of analysis or, or scoops. Let us <laughs> let us translate the youth for you. That's that's what I need. I need a youth translator. God, I do really feel old, man. It's like you know, Jerry DePaula needs a youth translator too. You Jerry comes to me and he's like, Chris, what did that mean? And I'm like uh jerry oh that's a great question i'm like texting you guys like what does this mean so i can tell jerry so i can still look like i'm connected to the youth it's all comparative you just got to be younger than that guy next to you that's it that's it what, what they always say like you know you you don't have to if you're gonna be chased by a bear you don't have to be the fastest person you just have to be the you know not slowest right so it's a kind of the same thing i mean you don't have to be the youngest person on the pit beat you just got to be younger than jerry so and we're there you know yeah, just stick yourself between uh, Jerry and Harry Paceres at the the next couple interviews, next couple uh, press conferences, and Harry Harry might be older than me by a couple years, actually. I was gonna say, David, are you calling yeah. Harry old? No, he, yeah, I would he's never. He's not old, no. But I think I, I mean, of the people who cover the team like daily, I might be the second oldest after Jerry. I think I'm older than Carter. I think I'm older than Noah. I'm older than Jim. Who else is really there often? Oh, um, what's his name? Carl. I'm older than that guy. Yeah, I'm older than like everybody other than Jerry, man. I have to wear a hat because I have all this gray hair and it's thinning. You're a vet. Um, You're a gutty veteran. That's yeah, like, I, guess so. I like to think of it. I guess, yeah. And Pitt gives you gray hair. There's no escaping that. We'll be there in about a year or two the way <laughs> everything goes. Yeah, yeah. It, it'll turn gray and then it'll just fall out. It'll thin and then it'll be gone altogether. Yeah. And, it's like you when know. you're the president. Uh, Barack Obama got like Entire yep. had a gray hair after two years of being president, covering Pitt, expedites yep. that process too. That's way. absolutely true. 2005, when I first started covering the team, I looked like Barack Obama. It was amazing. And now you see mm-hmm. me. I mean, it's a complete, it's just total disaster since then. But I've that's always said what, that about you. Yeah. I mean, back in the day, I mean, there wasn't Twitter and stuff like that. But like, you know, I'd put my picture out wherever I could. And people were like, wow, you know, what's the senator from Illinois doing covering Pitt? You know, it was, it was the weirdest thing. But, you know, <laughs> you know, last time you were on here, uh, we said that you were the godfather of like pit media and you balked at how old being like a godfather made you sound. And now you're here talking about gray hairs. My question is, what did Keaton Slovis do to you? Ke- I mean, like you've Keaton- aged so much in a year. Yeah, Keaton-, <laughs> Keaton was a nice enough guy. You know what, Keaton, if you want to be good in my book, you respond to my text messages before you get to your pit career. And he did when he was still going through the transfer process. You know, he was good about getting back to me and stuff. So he was fine in my book. I don't I mean, he was a fine guy. He wasn't a good fit for the offense. I mean, I think we all saw that. But, um, you know, I he was a perfectly nice guy. And, you know, look, we all staked all our hopes on him regaining the form of greatness that he had like two or three years ago. And it obviously didn't work out, but uh, you know, they would never make that mistake again and, you know, hang the season on somebody who hasn't really been good in two or three years. So I, I think they learned from that issue and learned from that mistake and, you know, they'll move on with it, you know? Yeah. 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 I didn't like that at all. 
I, I no. I mean, <laughs> I guess we'll find it's, out it's soon. A weird, it's a weird sort of like, uh, um, I don't know what you want to call it, like synergy or coincidence, or right? I mean, like with Keaton Slovis, it was like, wow, he was great in 2019, set the Pac-12 record for accuracy and or completion percentage. Was like, well, he's just got to get back to how he was that year. Well, we're kind of doing that same thing again, aren't we? Just got to get back to how he was in 2020 with Phil, right? I mean, it's it's sort of the same thing and. We'll see how it works out this time. Maybe it'll go better the second time than it did the first, I guess. Let's take some of that heat off of Phil and put it back onto you. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, sorry. Since <laughs> since, you're, since you're here, I, I wanted to ask if you'd like to take the opportunity to apologize for making me personally believe in Keaton Slovis this time last year. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, uh, I, I dug in deep on that one. You know, I, I, I really did. And I thought I had good reason to him. I and mean, there was plenty of evidence of him uh, being good uh, at USC. And, and I think Pitt was really excited about him. Uh, I, I don't think I anticipated how sort of difficult the marriage was going to be between the quarterback and the OC. I don't think I really anticipated how much they weren't going to really work together. Uh, yeah, and, and I don't know about like personally how they got along. But I mean, in terms of the, the style of the offense, the style of player, I mean, it just never really clicked and cost them multiple games as we've all probably said uh you know to ourselves and to others many many times over the past six months and so yeah i uh i i went in pretty hard on that one i thought he was going to be really good and um yeah kind of kind of kind of blew it on that one so yeah i apologize to uh you and anybody else who uh made the mistake of listening to me in the first place so my bad thank you i can heal now okay good Good. If that's all it took, you could have asked earlier. I would have. I would have told. I would have sent you a DM in like January, apologizing if you wanted. I mean, I think a DM would have been like really weird if I DM'd <laughs> you. You wouldn't be here right now if I just messaged you in the middle of May and was like, "Hey, man, just want to let you know." Um, I need an apology. I need an <laughs> apology. Like, I have issues trusting people now. You kind of <laughs> fucked me up a little bit. You wouldn't be here. Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe I'd be like, well, actually, uh, just have me back on your show and then I'll, 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 I'll do it. Let me do it in person. I don't want to send you something, you know, privately. Mm -hmm. I should do it publicly. So you're right. Maybe, maybe it would have expedited the process and I would have been here much sooner. Fair, fair. Yeah. Well, to, to get past old scars, uh, yeah. there, there's a reason you're here right now. Pit camp is starting. I think at the time we release this, it will be the first day of camp, maybe. Um, sure. Let's just go with that. Yeah. So how excited are you to get to like watch and talk about actual football? It, it's good. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's great. Cause I mean, you can interview players and coaches again and you can kind of get back into that swing and yeah, by the time you get to that last week or so of July, it's digging deep. I mean, God, like a week or two ago, I did a Mount Rushmore pick quarterbacks on, on one of my videos. I, I mean, like, you know, you've stooped to the lowest of low. My only defense is that that was like a mailbag episode. And someone asked that question. I wasn't sitting around saying, Hey, you know what I should do? I should do a Mount Rushmore episode. Cause I don't think I've ever actually done a Mount Rushmore episode, uh, on any of the videos. So like, I, I didn't, I guess in my defense, I didn't come up with it on my own. I just answered the question, but yeah, that's the kind of stuff you get into by the time you get to the end of July. So it was good. You know, it's, it's good to get back to actual football. There is the limitation of what they actually let us see during training camp. Um, that first half hour, 40 minutes that we get, it's hard to base a lot off of that. You, you end up basing a lot of your opinions on what people are telling you on and off the record. But either way, it's, it's nice. And, and the best thing about it is that once camp starts, that means it's four weeks until the games start. 
you know, and that's ultimately the best thing about camp for me is that like, Oh, look, here's another like official benchmark that we're passing that says the games are about to happen. And there's real stuff about to happen. Cause even camp gets to be a drag, like that third week of camp, the players are tired of hitting each other. The coaches are, you know, everybody's all sunburned and cranky and tired and hurt. And it's, and, and, and that's not just the media too. I mean, you know, that's the players are even all sunburned and cranky and tired and hurt. I mean, you know, the media by like the third week, we're like walking out to the practice field. We're all like slow. and Oh yeah, man, this has been really hard camp so far. And it's just, you get tired of it. You know, it's, it's a grind and it's, it gets boring at a certain point. And so just, you know, the start of camp being as another sort of, like I say, bench post you can, or benchmark benchmark that you can pass that the season is that much closer. I mean, that that's the best part about it. And, you know, yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to because I just want some games, you know? Are the three weeks of camp, the busiest you think you'll be all year? Where, where does that rank in, in terms of times where you just are, constantly putting out content i mean in terms of it's the most i have to leave the house i mean i could say that you know as far as like going out every day uh during the season they have us down there for interviews and stuff basketball you know you you have to leave the house a decent amount i mean really like is in terms of like content and just like straight working a lot like june and those first two weeks of december are pretty high intensity Uh, i mean because you're just like like take like the first two weeks of December, right? So after the season ends and the coaches are going out on the road and they're doing like in-home visits and going to see all the recruits and stuff like that. And there's those last few guys they're trying to wrap up. And there's those guys they're trying to close down, like, you know, not lose like a Jordan Bass last year. And it's like, you sit down. I mean, I got like my legal pad here and you sit down at the start of every day and like, you know, all right, make a list of like the 10 guys you need to track down info on that day. And then you just, you just start sending text messages and you literally start the, the morning with like a blank slate of like no information. And then you just start sending texts and DMS and making calls. Like, Oh, okay. They went and saw this guy. Oh, this guy says this, Oh, that guy's doing that. And uh, comes up with 10 other things. And by the end of the day, uh, Oh, look, I've got 2000 words to post on the message board of all these different updates. It's like, wow, that was a pretty exhausting. Like 10 hours. I just spent, you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and, new blank sheet of legal paper and you make your list of guys you need to run down. And, and and that's kind of how it is in June too, when you're trying to find all the official visitors and find out who's coming in and who isn't and where they're going or what they might be committing and all that stuff. And, and it's fun. Like it's, it's fun to kind of break through on something like, Oh, this kid texted me back or this coach or that, whatever. Um, But that's probably the busiest times of year because during the, during the season, I mean, yeah, we're pumping out a lot of content, um, you know, you know, videos and articles and all that stuff. But sometimes it's like, well, there's only so many ways you can write that day on Hayes is hoping to have a breakout season. You know, there's, there's only so many ways you will. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's guaranteed for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't believe he's a senior just as a brief aside. I, I mean, has this guy really been here for four years already? Does that shock you guys kind of as much as it does me every time I look at it? And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a senior now. I think the COVID year and like the extra year of eligibility has just completely warped my my yeah. brain in terms of knowing how long guys have been in college, what year they are, how much eligibility they have left. I just kind of forget about it at this point. Yeah. yeah. If you told me he was here for four years, I'd believe you. If you told me he was here for six years, I'd believe you. If it was three, I'd be <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I guess he played as a freshman. I must have forgot something. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, that I mean, that's the thing. And and I don't know if it's just because like, oh, time flies or because like I mean, he's got like eight and a half career sacks. And I mean, I think I expected a little more out of him out of his first three years. But when you're stuck behind Jones and Weaver and then Baldonado and then Deslin Alexander comes back for a year. I mean, he had limited opportunities, but like, I don't know. It's just all of a sudden. And I guess he has another year. He could come back in 24 if he wants as a super senior. But I'm just like, oh, where did the time go? I feel like it was just yesterday I was you know, at Westinghouse high school and signing day to watch him like officially sign. But, <clears throat> but I digress not to uh, get too far off, off course there. But I mean, during the season, you know, it's sort of, I don't want to say the content's a little bit easier, but it's not like that process I just laid out where I'm, you know, on a random Tuesday in September, I'm sitting down chasing down all these leads or recruits or what have you. I mean, it's, we're still doing some of that, but it's not nearly what it is in January and, and or December and June. Those are, those are the big, high uh high output months for sure yeah i mean we don't blame you because our most recent piece of content we just re-watched the ucf game from 2019 and talked about it we gave up on trying to think of new fresh ideas we're like let's just watch an Man. old game that was good so i i mean i replied when you guys were looking for suggestions mm -hmm. on games to watch i replied to that like dude pick the the bowl game against houston rewatch that you know, rewatch the Georgia Tech game in 14. I mean, like, pick something. You know, rewatch the Notre Dame game in 2012. Yeah, you picked a win, an exciting win. I mean, like, think about, like, if you watch one of those games that came down to, like, if you watched the Notre Dame game in 2012, you could have a little counter in the quarter of the screen of all the times Tino failed to convert a third down in the fourth quarter, right? Because Tino goes out after the game and says they lost the game because Kevin Harper missed field goals. Never mind that Tino never converted a third down in the fourth quarter. And if he converted one of those, he could have set up a game when he, but I mean, like you could have had so, I think you could have had so much more fun in a almost sort of diabolical kind of way. If you watched a game like that, a real gut punch, like just brutally bad game, you know, watch Navy from 2007. You know what I mean? Like pick something at Youngstown state in 12. There's any number of games you could have picked. I was disappointed that you picked a, a win, a feel good story. I mean, come on. So it was disappointing. It was, it was our first one. <laughs> we have to reel people in. Then we'll, we, we do. Yeah. Lawson. Do you, do you think people would have listened if we were like, Hey, here's this fun new idea we're doing to try to fill time. Sorry to say the quiet part out loud, uh, but <laughs> how would you guys like to relive like one of the worst Saturdays of your life? Do you is is that good for you? See, I like. I mean, I I love all pit fans. I want all pit fans to read my site and all that kind of stuff. But the ones I really want to know are the guys who would be down with that with that exact thing. Like those are my people, the ones that like would want to sit back and be like, yeah, let's count how many passes Tino missed on at the end of that 2012 game. Let's make Manti Teo jokes and that terrible, you know, pass interference call against K1 and the two number twos, all that. That would be my like kind of crowd to like sit around and drink one night and watch that game and just have a, a blast. I mean, like, you know, when you, when you know the Aaron Matthews touchdown pass to Kenny's coming, or, you know, that Patty's going to throw a touchdown to Dontavious Butler Jenkins. I mean, it's like, okay, good. I mean, maybe it was still exciting. I, I, I missed the, 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 the watch along when you guys did it. Maybe people got really into it. Maybe it was really exciting, but I want to hang out with the people who want to go down the road of the, uh, the, the bowl game against Houston. You know what I mean? Or some of those really bad Navy games. I want to, you know, Notre, uh, West Virginia in 2005 or something like that. Like I want to, those are the people I want to hang out with. Well, there are some games we're going to avoid at all costs, but there are some games that are so bad. They're funny. Like that Houston game, the Georgia tech game. Yeah. Yeah. At this point we're over it. It was so bad. We can talk about it. I <laughs> well, think that'd I be think fun. 
I don't think a bowl game can make me feel bad about myself as a Pitt fan anymore. So honestly, next summer we might take you up on the Houston game. The 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 Eastern Michigan game wasn't like fifty two seconds away from making you feel bad about yourself. Well, I mean, like, and that wasn't that, that wasn't that long ago. That was only four years ago. Three and a half. I mean, like what a what a what a near disaster that was. I, I mean, like that was less than a minute away from being an absolute tragedy. Uh, I mean, like I don't even know how you come back from that. You know, just getting your tail kicked up and down the field all game by Eastern Michigan. Uh, I mean, if they had actually lost it, it like I, I think because they won it, we could all just be like, oh, there's a win. Turn the page. Never talk about it again. Pretend it never happened. They were eight and five. That's fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, because exactly. I spend I spend a lot more time talking about Boston College and Miami that year. Meanwhile, the Eastern Michigan Eastern Michigan game was just as much of an embarrassment. They just somehow managed to find a way to win it. But if they had lost. You can't tell me you'd have taken that in stride. Yeah, but then Kenny Pickett dropped a dime in the corner of the end zone to win a bowl game, and we damn near set Smoking Joe's and Southside on fire. <laughs> and we would have set Smoking Joe's night. on fire as well if they lost. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Smoking Joe's was getting set on fire no matter what. Oh, that was a Tuesday <laughs> night too, right? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. Oh, something God. something weird. Oh, Is it the day after man. Christmas, day before Christmas? Something like that. It might have been. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, when else would you play a bowl game in Detroit? You're not going to like put yeah, it the in the Bowl. Ideal doesn't get spot. the uh, doesn't uh-huh. get the New Year's Day treatment. No, no, they're not getting anything good. They're getting a weeknight as close to uh, Christmas as possible. You're right. God, that was bad. Yeah, I mean, I just pretty much I blank that game out of my mind all the time. You know, other than just now to bring it up, because I tried when you said like, "Oh, bowl game can't make me feel bad about myself." I was like, "Well, what's the worst possible thing I can think of?" and that was what I came up with. So, if you win it, you have all the momentum. You're going to win ten games the following year. If you lose, it doesn't count. Bowl games are stupid. Simple <laughs> as that. You think that, right? Like you think that, but then there's the Sun Bowl in 2008, right? I mean, and the military this, bowl. Yeah, it doesn't count. Navy. That doesn't count no, either. No, but but the Sun Bowl in 2008 is funny because people very much took that to heart. And people were miserable that offseason. People were miserable that whole offseason about how bad Bill Stahl was and how bad Pitt was going to suck in 2009 and LaShawn McCoy was gone and Scott McKill was gone. They were going to be terrible and look how bad that Sun Bowl was. And it's funny because they actually won nine games that year. Like they were much better that year than they were the previous year when they went five and seven. But because they ended the previous year with the win over West Virginia, that whole offseason was just, it was great. It was amazing. It was the, the happiest the team has ever been or a uh, fan base has ever been after a five-win season. The next year, they win nine games, but because they have the worst bowl game in history, everybody spends the uh, whole offseason in a dark cloud. So I, the bowl games, I think, do have an impact on how the offseason feels. I mean, think about what this offseason would have been like if they hadn't beat UCLA, right? I mean, you, I, they, yeah. a lot of people would say, oh, it's just a bowl game and it's stupid, but you got a lot of positive momentum out of winning that game. Even if you did it, you know, I mean, obviously you did it with some guys that you're going to see a lot more of this year, but uh, I think it did have an impact though. And that's why I kind of think that this past bowl game was an, was an exception to my entire sentiment because that was, we knew going into it, like, well, this is next year's team and Nick Patty. Uh, who we know is playing in his last college football game. So that makes it special. Uh, And, and we're going up against what the number 17 team in the country 
at full strength minus like Zach Charbonnet maybe. Uh, and we did it. So, so now we, we feel all warm and fuzzy in here in our, in our chest cavity because shit, I, I watched day on get two sacks. I watched Bub means and Mumfield look competent for the first time. I watched Rodney Hammond do Rodney Hammond things. And now like, it's been months and I've been feeling good this whole time. <laughs> See, it's so you talk I, I, yourself into it. All right, fine. You win. <laughs> I think the, I think the one time when you could honestly say it really had no impact at all was the peach bowl, because at that point they had yeah. accomplished so much that year. And then they went into that game and they didn't have Kenny, but it, it really didn't matter what happened that day. If they won great, they win, you know, they're, they're a 12 win team, but, it, but it really didn't. That one was the only one I could say it genuinely did not matter. The, the 2015 game against Navy, I kind of feel like didn't matter as much. Pat won eight games in his first season, had some solid wins. I think everybody kind of felt like, well, this is pretty decent. It would have been better to win than it was to lose, but, you know, not a big deal. But I think the Peach Bowl was the only, like, truly no strings attached bowl yeah. game Pitt has played in a long time where it, it didn't matter. They could have gotten blown out. And I don't think anybody really, I mean, there are people on the message boards who always find something to complain about, but I don't think anybody was going to take much out of that because so much had already been accomplished at that point that, I mean, who cares? So like everybody was still going to magic city, no matter what, you know what I mean? Whether <laughs> they won or lost they every, you know, they, the, the lemon pepper wings were still there. So lemon pepper Lou over here. Man, I make that joke, and and this is what I'm ashamed to say it for all the times I've been to Atlanta to see Pitt play Georgia Tech. I still haven't gone to Magic City. I, I mean, like I, I was almost gonna go the day of the Peach Bowl, but they didn't open until like four o'clock. I was like, I'm just gonna go get lunch. I'm gonna well, go over there four years in a row. I, guess, yeah, I know, I know, I know. They've been down there so many times. I didn't go in 20 because uh, COVID year, I just stopped traveling. But I mean, I've been down there so many times. I really like going there. I have some friends in Atlanta. I, I like being in that city. It's fun. But for all those times. And, and so the peach ball, I was like, this is it, man. This is the time I'm going. I'm, I flew in the day, the night before I'm going to get some lunch at magic city. It's going to be awesome. And then I'm going to go to the game, but they didn't open until like four o'clock. So still none for me. Guess I'll have to go to the peach bowl again this year. If, if they do, I'll plan the trip a little bit better or I'll just get to the game late. Cause I had to go to magic city at four o'clock, you know, are we recording that? Is that part? <laughs> I was just gonna say we're we're about twenty minutes in, and we got to uh, strip club wings before we got to any like camp preview. I'm I'm so happy you're here, man. <laughs> See, Jim never gets into these conversations with me when we do the live stream on Wednesday nights. I I mean, Jim needs to be more of a uh, willing foil in these kind of situations. He never spurs me to uh, talk about something like that. Maybe I'll have to bring it up uh, on our, on our next show. Please do, please do. We'd, we'd love we'd love to hear Jim's thoughts. He's, he's I don't too good I don't want to step on this. I don't want to step on your territory though. You know, I mean, you guys maybe you've cornered the market on discussing the strip club wings. So I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to infringe on anything. If you guys have already been down this road before, hear that, boys? Aren't you so proud of what the Loyal Sons <laughs> brand is? Our position in Pittsburgh sports media, <laughs> the one and only. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all right, but, but seriously, let's 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 talk a little 2023 Pitt Panthers. Uh, so w- we want to pick your brain. Um, what positions do you think will actually have position battles this camp season? Great transition. Thank you. Yeah. Didn't know yeah. how else to do it. 
that was i mean sometimes you just gotta like make a hard left you know what i mean yeah. just, in the 90 degree turn i mean every now and then you gotta do or, or maybe it was a 180 degree turn i'm not sure depending on how far we had gone down that road um real battles i mean you could look at some stuff like reserve spots on like if you start on offense i think reserve spots at like wide receiver like who's going to be the i think you know the top three receivers with with mumfield and means and reynolds who's going to be behind those guys probably going to be some freshmen in the mix there um so there, there'll be some battles there um maybe i don't know if it's a battle at tight end as, as much as them just figuring out what they're going to do you know what i mean are, are they going to keep Use, trying to use Gavin Bartholomew up on the line of scrimmage and and working him in line, which he really didn't do. Uh, I mean, he took like half of his snaps there two years ago uh, and and played really well out of the backfield. Last year, he was hardly ever in the backfield. Are they going to try and go back to that? What are they going to do with those guys? But it's not really as much of a position battle. On defense, I, I think is probably where you're going to see most of the battles. And that's, you know, settling the starting spots at all four defensive line positions and then figuring out the safeties. Um, you know, I think Dayon's going to be one of the starters. I'm guessing the tackles will probably be some combination of Devin Danielson and David Green and Tyler Bentley. But who fills out that rotation? Is it is it Elliot Donald? Is it DeAndre Jules? Is it Sean Fitzsimmons? I think all those guys are going to be in the mix of those tackle spots. And then the other end starting job. I mean, it could be Bam Brema. It could be, you know, Nate Temple. Uh, those guys are seniors. Or maybe Nakai Johnson wins the job. Maybe Sam Lola and uh, uh, Jimmy Scott battle for the job i think you're still going to have a healthy rotation with like four or five guys maybe six at defensive end rotating in and so sorting out who they're going to start and how they're going to rotate those guys in i I think will probably be one of the more interesting battles in camp and one of the more interesting battles to watch all season because i I think you're going to see some guys sort of ascend and you could say this at almost every level of the defense i think you're going to see guys like improve as the season goes on and by like mid-october we're going to be like damn, Oakland Lola's killing it out there. You know what I mean? Or boy, Nakai looks great. He's really worked himself into a starting job. I wouldn't be surprised if you have four or five different guys who start at defensive end over the course of the season and not even related to injury, just because I think it's just kind of, I think it's just going to kind of be like that where you're figuring out who these guys are. And I think safety will be the same thing. Uh, I mean, if I had to bet, I would bet on PJ O'Brien and Javon McIntyre starting. I would not be shocked in the least if it's Steph Hall and Donovan McMillan. I think all four of them are going to play. I think there'll be more rotation this year at safety than there was last year. I mean, last year you had Hallett and Hill, and that was it. Those were your guys. You weren't going to really rotate because why would you um, unless you had an injury or something like that? I think this year you'll see more rotation there because I think all four of those guys can play. Um, I think Steph Hall is going to be a, a surprise kind of breakout player this year. I think Javon McIntyre showed some playmaking ability last year, but he's got to settle in and be more consistent with it. Donovan McMillan almost could be a linebacker. I mean, he's he's that big. I wouldn't be surprised if they use him. You remember when John Patrician played in like the extra linebacker yeah. spot in the the Delta package? I wouldn't be surprised to see McMillan in that kind of role. Um, and then PJ O'Brien, I mean, just needs to kind of keep his head. You know, he, he has a lot of intensity and energy and it's fun, but you, you can't take stupid penalties, like emotion penalties. You, you can't do that. You have to be... You have to be a little more in control of your emotions uh, than he has been in the past. But I think all four of those guys will play. So I think that'll be a big battle. And then just figuring out the D-line, the, the starters and the rotation, I think are probably going to be some of the biggest battles that we'll see uh, over this next month. So you said you get some access to camp. You see some of the practices, the drills, and all that. But let's just say in this hypothetical, uh, we find a spot around the facility where you can spy on practice all the time. Pat Narduzzi does not find out. Who would you be most interested in watching? I mean, Phil, 
mean, the quarterbacks. I mean, mm-hmm. that's and 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 that's kind of like cheating because if I'm watching Phil throw, he's inevitably going to be throwing to receivers, right? So I'm kind of getting a two for one there because um, mm-hmm. those are probably the other guys I'm really interested to see. I mean, I want to see if Mumfield and Means and and Reynolds can play. I mean, if they can play at a consistent high level, and a lot of it depends on on how the quarterbacks throw to them. I mean. I've heard a lot about how Phil's been throwing. I thought he made some really nice throws in the spring game. Um, everybody says, well, he's throwing as well as he ever has and all this stuff. But I feel like I heard a lot of praise for Keaton Slovis last year too. How is he running the offense? The thing with Phil to me is like, I think when he's been at his best and most exciting in the past is like when he's like shedding a tackle and keeping a play alive and throwing the ball deep downfield. And that's great. And that's exciting. You can get a lot of big plays that way, but man, you got to run the offense. I mean, you have to be able to take them down the field in the structure of the offense. I think this offensive line will be good. They'll give him time to drop back in the pocket. He's got to be able to operate the offense and throw accurately at all, all the levels. I mean, short, medium, and deep. And I don't know if he's shown that a lot over the last few years at Boston College, maybe even three years ago. I don't even know if that was really his biggest strength of just running the offense. I think they're, they're they're putting a lot of the expectations, a lot of the pressure on Signetti and Dracovic being good buddies again and really one knowing what the other wants to do and being able to do it. And they kind of did that at Boston College, but they're going to need to do it much better here. So if I could watch anything kind of consistently start to end of, of camp, it would be Phil and, and how he's working with the receivers and how he's operating the offense. We'll work on the ghillie suit for you to go out there on a hill somewhere with binoculars. We'll scope that out. For I mean, you. like I, you know, I, I'm just picturing like uh, what was it? Uh, Gangs in New York when um, uh, who was it? I think Leo DiCaprio. Who was the cop in there? John C. Riley. Do you remember this? Do you guys see Gangs in New York? Kids watch these movies. Completely transparent. I've, I've never watched it. You never watched it? It's a great movie. Daniel Day Lewis. I mean, he's pretty good and everything. I mean, but anyway. Long story short, a guy is splayed in the middle of the town square, you know, just sort of hung out for everyone to see his dead corpse. Narduzzi would do that to me if I ever even <laughs> attempted it. So it was a long way of getting around. I mean, like, it's on YouTube. You can find that was the clip, the payoff. Like, that was worth yeah, the payoff. I mean, it was, do you guys, I mean, like, and that's not, I mean, that's partially Narduzzi, but it's like Channel 11, I feel like, tried to do that when Ben Roethlisberger first came back after his like motorcycle accident. You guys remember this? Mm. They posted up on the hill across the street. And tried to like video his like first practice back, and Steelers were all mad at him. I don't think they kicked him out, but when Ben did his like, you know, reclamation tour and did all the TV, he sat down with like Sally Wigan at Channel Four. He sat down with Bob Pompiani at Channel Two, and that was it. Channel Eleven didn't get one of the special little sit down interviews because mm-hmm. they broke the rules by going up on the hillside. It's just it's not. And like the FBI buildings over there, I mean, who knows what kind of equipment they've got trained on it and. Narduzzi might have the FBI working for him. You can't put anything past or the, the mob. I that'd make a little bit more sense with Thews. Hey man, I didn't say that. <laughs> We're gonna get him in trouble. Easy, buddy. Easy. <laughs> hey, you know how I, long is, you know how long it takes to get from Youngstown to Pittsburgh? I mean, you really want to find this out? How fast <laughs> that can go down? Maybe you should edit that part out. Yeah. <laughs> so we've checked off strip my camera off. in the mob. Um <laughs> <laughs> there he's he's gone <laughs> you probably should keep it on this might be evidence for later if we see you get dragged out of your uh, room, lock the so. door yeah that always keeps him out mm-hmm. 
So Squid's address is <laughs> okay. But okay, so we can't watch Phil and the receivers. We're gonna we're gonna watch them if we're watching this other group. But I'm thinking the running back group. I'm just kind of interested interested to see because the thought is probably Rodney Hammond workhorse mm-hmm. carries a lot of the workload. But we've also seen for as long as Narduzzi's been there, they try to have a couple running backs cycling in and out. And Rodney Hammond's probably not going to play fifty snaps a game or whatever the offense is on the field. Um, where do you think? that kind of plays out. Do you think there's a clear number two? Is it just a running back by committee type deal or whoever? I, I think they've played the hot hand in the past. Yeah. I, I mean, it'll probably be a hot hand. I, I'm really curious about, I mean, first of all, Hammond's the only guy who's even anything close to proven out of this group, which is a little weird because he's been a backup for the last two seasons. Um, but I, I mean, Sebo Flemister, I mean, had a pretty good November. Last yep. year, you know, I mean, he, he had put up most of his stats at that point at a really nice yards per carry average. I'm really intrigued by that. Maybe, you know, he's a guy that could function in a bigger role as a number two. I think Derek Davis is really interesting. I mean, you have to go back to his gateway film to find anything really to, to, to build expectations from. But I mean, he had some breakaway speed. Most of it was straight line, but he had some breakaway speed um, coming out of high school. And then the freshman, I mean, TJ Harvison was here all spring so you know he, he might be in the mix it's some big question marks but i'm intrigued i'm intrigued by flemister i'm intrigued by davis i i need to find out or, or I'm, i want to find out or i'm curious to find out who's that that deep threat guy i mean i think most of us would agree that rodney hammond's probably not it right i mean he's probably not the guy who's you know capable of breaking those 60 yard runs like izzy did last year so who can do it can does flemister have that kind of speed Derek davis had that kind of speed does he still is it Harvison? I, I think they need to find that because I don't know what kind of big plays they're going to get out of the passing game. And I know they're losing some big plays out of the running game. And so making up for that, you got to find somebody who can break those runs a little bit. I think Rodney Hammond can do a great job keeping the chains moving, but you're going to need big plays in there somewhere. And I think they, you know, I think there, there are guys, who, you know, I think Bob means might be able to do it in the passing game. I, I keep kind of, catching myself being a little too optimistic about what he might be able to do because he caught like two passes in the spring game and looked exciting doing it. Um, He might be able to stretch the field a little bit, but you need somebody in the running game who can break those plays. And I don't think it's Hammond. So maybe, maybe that's a role Flemister can fill. Maybe that's a role that, that Derek Davis can fill. It's, it's unknowns, but intriguing unknowns, I think at this point. It's actually really funny. You pose this question. uh, and, And here's a little loyal sons exclusive for you. But the golf outing the other day, I overheard a player who will not be named, and he was talking to a fan. He was like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, you know what you're getting with Rodney. He's he's gonna he's gonna be a bowling ball. He's always gonna get positive yards. But man, you should see Derek Davis in space. Oh yeah, and I got all the goosebumps. I spilled my beer a little bit, and I don't I don't know what that's worth, but hey, I mean, they they see them right. I mean, they see these guys all the time, and they don't really stand to gain anything by blowing smoke up a fan's behind, right? I mean, it's probably pretty authentic. And look, and, and if you watch like the gateway, his, you know, his huddle film from Gateway, yeah, dude was fast. He could take off, you know? I mean, he, he never really did it at LSU because he didn't have a chance to, but I mean, he had that speed in, in high school. So if it's still there, uh, you know, and I think it'll be blocked well too. I mean, I think this offensive line will be pretty good. Um Maybe, maybe he's the guy. Somebody has to step up in that role. And, you know, he's as good a candidate as anybody. 
It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide, and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSUNS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Now, you mentioned that offensive line. Uh, you don't seem to think that there's going to be a lot of position battles around that. You know, you're more focused on the defense. But as far as I'm concerned, that offensive line is far from settled, and there's there's eight guys that could be you know, getting snaps. So if you had to estimate what is the starting offensive line week one against our hated rivals, Wofford, <laughs> the, the fighting Sean Watsons. Um, it's, it's actually, it's, it's good that you mentioned it. Cause I do think there is, there is a battle there on the left side of the line. I think the right side, I mean, I think Jake Cradle at center. I think Blake Zabovic at right guard. And I think Mack and Salvi's at, at right tackle. I think that's probably going to be what it is. Uh, but I think on the left side, you've got, Branson Taylor, you've got Ryan Bear, and you've got Ryan Jacoby. And I think those three guys are going to battle for those two spots. And Bear can play either one. Taylor maybe could play either one. And when you have that kind of situation with that versatility, you can really put your best guys out there. So if it's Taylor and Jacoby, great. Taylor plays tackle, Jacoby plays guard. If it's Bear and Jacoby, Bear plays tackle, and Jacoby plays guard. If it's Taylor and Bear, Taylor plays tackle, and Bear plays guard. And, and that that'll be a battle and and i actually wouldn't be surprised if you see all three of them playing at different times like not in a full rotation but but maybe maybe you know particularly early in the season like the wofford game really i mean it wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if it's like every two series they kind of rotate those guys around a little bit and see who really kind of figures it out because i think bear i mean he's the best offensive line prospect that pat narduzzi has signed uh, and has a chance to be maybe the best offensive lineman that Darduzzi has had. And he's had four or five linemen drafted over the last eight years. And so it's not like they've been completely devoid of talent, but I think bear can be that good. And so I think he's going to be in the mix. It might be hard to keep him off the field. And like I say, you might see just all those guys um, playing out there. I, I do think the right side is, is pretty locked in, but um, those, those guys on the left, that that'll be another battle. I kind of forgot about that one. It's pretty high praise with the NFL talk because we know our guy Brian O'Neill's made himself a little bit of money for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, yeah, he has. And I mean, like, you know, you could go down the list. I mean, Dorian Johnson was really good. Adam Bizavati was really good. Carter Warren, you know, had a nice career, ended up being a, a draft pick. But I mean, I think the expectations for Bear are that high. And I think the, the pedigree's there. And he's a giant, you know, human being just standing next to him. And uh he's he's got that offensive line mentality he can move well and all his teammates are sort of in awe of him i mean i, I think he's going to be he's going to be a guy he's, oh god that was I, I hate when people say things like that he's going to be a guy 
He's, uh, he's now, a here's dude. a guy. He's going to be a dude. He's, he's a football a dude. player. He is a football player. That You know, the thing about Ryan Bearman, he is a football player. That's a dude who puts on shoulder pads, puts on a jersey, he puts on a helmet, and he walks out there in between those lines. He does. Straps up his chin strap. He does. Lunch pale. Mm-hmm. Doesn't move until that ball is snapped. But when that ball is snapped, you know what he does? He moves. moves. He plays football. Mm-hmm. It's a guy who plays football. So, yeah. High praise there. Do you think Pat Naruzzi would ever say after him, you know what, that guy's not a football player. Like, he plays football, but he's not a football player. Uh, That's one of his go-tos, for those that don't listen to all of the press conferences. No, he wouldn't say that after a game. What he would say is in the following offseason, after a guy transfers, <laughs> he would say, the good thing is, is we have a football player in that position now, which I think is something mm-hmm. we maybe didn't always have last year. That's what he would say. That's how he would put it. That's... <laughs> I, I love what you're referencing because it's literally what he said about uh, Phil at the quarterback position. Multiple times. Multiple times. And I I mean, we get it. Like, I don't think you need to keep saying it. And he'll probably say it in training camp as well. I, I just and, – and if he asked me my thoughts, then I would probably tell him this too. I just don't know what you gain. You know, I, by adding that extra part, you could talk about Phil's leadership and just leave it at that. And if people want to – jump to the next conclusion they can i'm not sure you need to go that extra step and talk about what you didn't have last year like just phil's a great leader leave it at that that's that's all you need to say you know but it is our job the four of us here and all of pit media it is our job to spin that as pat narduzzi is not afraid to say what's on his mind he will name names when no other coach will and that's why we love him that is the story that we are going with as pit fans and pit media. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, I, I guess it's one thing when he's saying that Deion Sanders shouldn't turn over his entire roster in an off season and that you should keep the guys that you inherit. It's another to kind of kick dirt on a kid who played for you for a year that recruited you recruited and he trusted you and he came to your program. I mean, I, I just don't know what you gain from it. You know, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what the upside is. Um, just sort of doesn't uh, i don't know but that's just me i mean he's got his own way of doing it and uh he certainly has never he has not really changed his approach over the last eight years i would say that he, he might be a little calmer on the sidelines but he not even that much uh, as far as that goes but he um it's just who he is he, he shoots from the i mean to, to your point he shoots from the hip and that's what uh, everybody likes about it he, he says says what he's thinking just sometimes says a few things and i'm like oh did you really mean to say that? Is that really what you wanted to say right now? But he said it and it goes in the official record. I guess to his, like the, the one benefit for him is when he says some of those things, sometimes his sentences get a little disjointed. So they'll put out the official transcript and it's just a bunch of like clauses with hyphens in between them. And so maybe it's hard to like trace it back to what he exactly he said. Uh, so maybe, but maybe that's part of the game playing chess, you know, we're all just playing checkers and trying to transcribe quotes, you know, I who it was. I think it was Nick Patty who was telling us how when Narduzzi, like you said, when Narduzzi gets worked up, he just like really never finishes his sentences and he just says, <laughs> okay. And then it's on to the next thought. He's like, he's like, you know, we didn't do what we were supposed to do here. Okay. And then Nick, you didn't. Blah, 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 blah. 
Yeah, yeah. He's like, well, maybe Nick Patty, you know, he throws, uh, and I mean, we're handing off, and then, you know, and, and clearly there's a guy who sticks his leg out, and uh, but the receiver's over here, and he and it's like, if you finished one of these sentences, it would be a great quote, man. I mean, you really could, like, you were about to accuse a guy of tripping your running back or something, but you stopped before you finished the set. Like, we need subjects and verbs here, man. You know, subjects and predicates is what we need, and we're getting half of it. So, come on, just... Fill it in a little bit. Fill make complete sentences. 2023 goals, complete sentences. That's just reminding me a little bit of a former president. No, I'm not. No, not going there. Uh, and yeah, no, there's no, no nothing to be. As I talk about what, like what, what, what is there to be gained? There's nothing to be gained from uh, going down that road. Yeah. So back to the Magic City wings. What flavor yeah, wings yes. did you get? That's, that's, that's the only way out of this. Shocked Panther Lair's Chris Peak is limiting my First Amendment rights. Oh, God. and there it is. Oh, the First Amendment. Here we go. I've been Here sitting on it for forty minutes. Congress, Congress shall make no law inhibiting your right to post on a message board. So Congress has made no law about it, but I made some. So what do you, you know? Uh, you'd like to think that you could let people just talk on a message board, but sometimes the uh, anonymity of it uh, enables people to maybe say things that you, you just wish, like, I oh, really wish you wouldn't say that. You know, it would be much more fun for us all if you just didn't say that on the message board, but then you delete posts and you get messages about it, and it's fun. It's fun times. It's not fun for you, but when I see a post that's like, <laughs> "Don't go to El Paso for the Sun Bowl," I'm I'm hammering that, booking <laughs> it to see what what some sixty year old thinks about uh our the the border that we share with our neighbors to the south. I uh, I, I didn't make the trip into Juarez. Uh, you know, uh, the last oh no wait, I didn't even go there. I went in two thousand eighteen. Um. And I saw the wall. It looked already built. I don't know what everybody was talking about, but it was built in that section at least. Uh, but the weirdest... Did you guys go to the Sun Bowl? I did no. not. No? No. The, the weirdest thing is, like, where the media parked. Like, we, I pull up to, like, a guardrail, and, like, I get out of my car, and, like, on the other side of the guardrail is, like, this cliff, and, like, literally at the bottom of the cliff is Mexico. And I'm like, that's really how close we are. I mean, the Sun Bowl Stadium is, like... You know, you throw a stone from the top of the Sun Bowl Stadium and it lands in Mexico. I mean, it's right there, which, I mean, you know it, you read it on the map and you, you know, you hear about it, but it's like, wow, it's right here. I mean, you're, you're right in Mexico. And I think some of the other writers who got down there earlier actually went into Mexico, went across the, uh, the walking bridge and turned around and walked back. I don't think they spent mm. any time there, but, you know, I think in 2008, some of the players went over probably. Well, it made an ill-advised decision to do so, I would say. I know that they receive a like pamphlet as soon as they get there and and big... So some of them, I guess, played with fire a little bit. But I remember a lot Elijah Zeiss told us that his two thoughts from the Sun Bowl were it's probably like the prettiest view of any stadium they get to play in. And the the first thing they see when they get there is do not go into mexico you will be sent home immediately yeah. yeah that sounds that sounds i feel like if you guys track down scott mckillop i feel like either he knows about people who went into mexico or he himself did it so he might be the uh 
he might he might be a source on that. I'm not sure, but I could be I could be wrong about that. But I, I feel like I've heard him talk about that before. But you know, it is a nice setting. It's just weird because you're in Texas, but it's like it's cold. It's not hot and dusty. It's dusty, but it's it's like cold down there, and it's real windy. Like it wasn't that 08 game. I mean, that's not atypical, but it is cool because it's like carve out of a mountain. I mean, part of the the bowl goes into like a section they had to carve out of the mountain. So that's that's um it is nice down there. It's it's pretty it's just it's such a long trip to get there. I mean you fly through like Chicago and it's a really long flight from Chicago and it's probably nice to do it once or twice, but you know, you don't need to do it much more than that. Yeah, and then yeah. if the US uh airline industry shuts down and you have to drive nine hours after already flying to Texas via baseball team coach of another college it's a whole process uh, so we don't yeah. want to risk it yeah you know? yeah right yeah that's i forgot about that story yeah weird stuff you know it, it's just better to stay home watch again yeah, i mean TV. we'll go to the college football playoff this year so no sun bowl in the plans right uh, right i'm sure that was what your predictions for the season two college football playoff uh, every year that's always mm-hmm. it's gonna hit one of these times i mean you know if you flip a coin flip a coin a hundred times and call tails every time i mean you know you're eventually gonna get it right it works like that i think tails never fails predicting the college football play never fails i just don't want to be the guy that predicts like an eight and five season the year we actually do make it there so why would i ever do it yeah i feel like i might have undersold 21 but I mean, there were there, there was no reason to expect 2021. All? Yeah, there was no reason to expect 2021 to be what it was. I mean, it was a big deal that Kenny was coming back, but he made some good throws in 2020, and obviously he was hurt for a decent amount. But it's not like he was like great, right? What did he have, like ten touchdowns or thirteen touchdowns or something like that this that year? I mean, he wasn't, and and the previous two years weren't really anything. I mean, 2019 was really bad. In 2018, they just handed the ball off all the time. I mean, you knew the kid had talent, but like, there was no reason to ever expect him to throw 50 touchdowns, and be a Heisman finalist. I mean, that was completely unexpected. So I, I don't know. Maybe somebody uh, predicted like 11 wins that year because I mean, it's a fan message board, and there are always people predicting things like that, but not too many. And I don't think too many people had them had them uh, succeeding like they did. I think we didn't predict it but we were like all right what is the path to 10 wins and we mapped it out and it didn't go exactly like that it went better (laughs) than that um but we were we were a little bit cautious because i think the three of us were so all in in 2020 and thank christ we didn't have a podcast in 2020 because we all like very much mapped out like they can make the play they can make the playoff they can make the playoff (laughs) They they are going to make the playoff. So we we cooled a little bit the next year. Man, you were really inspired by that win over Eastern Michigan. That yeah. thing really fired you up. Holy cow. One win in Detroit is all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> I think another thing was me and Dave were sitting there one day and we're like, well, half these conferences aren't playing. So we can just cross all these teams off the list. And then we just need a couple games to get canceled and boom, we're there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if ever there was a year to do it, this might have the kind of circumstances that would allow Pitt to get in. That's actually, that's not bad logic. I mean, just, I, I remember that exact conversation and I think 30 icy light mangoes preceded it. <laughs> Give or take. Yeah, it was, <laughs> but, but so it, it, you know, talking about 10 win seasons and and not trying to set our expectations too high leads to an interesting question. Um, 
what would you need to see at camp to leave and say, I, Chris Peak, know that Pitt is winning 10 games or more this season? What do you need to see from this team? I mean, there's there's nothing I could see or really hear from camp because it, it just comes down to how Phil plays, you know? And last year at this time and last year coming out of camp, I thought Keaton was going to be really, really good. And he was going to be good enough to, to get them there. And, and look, if he had been slightly above average, they do win 10 games in the regular season last year. I mean, that's... You know, it's that's, weird to think about. Yeah, but it's it's... I mean, very realistic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it's it wasn't exclusively him. It was the offensive coordinator and a couple, you know, a couple like one or two bad plays by the defense in both games, Georgia Tech and Louisville. But like, if he's just not bad, um, they win both of those games. It's it's funny, like to look at his stats from the Georgia Tech game. It's like, what do you have? Three hundred yards, three touchdowns. It's like, yeah, all of it happened on the last like two drives of the game. And the first quarter, he completed like one pass for minus three yards or something like that. I mean, he was just god awful and god awful in the Louisville game as well. And so, coming out of camp and going into camp, I was just like, "Yeah, this guy's going to be really good. He's going to re- regain that form that he had at USC, and and that's exactly what they need. He's going to be able to step right in, and you know, Mumfield's going to be good. They got good running backs. It's just it, it no problem. You know, th- this is going to be you know all this stuff. So, like right now, I, I don't know what to expect out of Phil." But whatever success they have this year is going to come down to him because I, and I've said this a bunch of times, like I feel like the defense might take a little time to get rolling just with younger players up front, younger guys in, in, at safety. I think by the end of the year, all those guys will be playing at a really high level because I think they're really good players, but it might take a little bit of time. So you might need an extra touchdown or two to beat Cincinnati. You might need an extra touchdown or two to beat West Virginia or Carolina. But if the quarterback isn't good enough, the coordinator is not, calling the things that work for the quarterback or the quarterback's just not executing it. I mean, you could blow those games because you're just not scoring a point. Like three touchdowns isn't going to do it. Like you need to be, I mean, you need to be over 30. You need to be shooting for 30 every game. And I'm sure they would have liked to score 30 every game last year, but I'm not sure they were really shooting for it. And the quarterback wasn't executing well enough to do it. So long answer to the question of like, what do I need to see in camp? I mean, nothing. It's all just got to be proven on the field. I, I think I have a solid feel for who most of these players are and how most of these players will do. I think the O-line will be good. I think we know what we know about backs and tight ends and receivers. Linebackers, I think will be really good. Corners will be really good. D-line is young, but they're talented. Safeties are young, but they're talented or inexperienced at both of those spots, safety and D-line. All this stuff, we, we know all this stuff. It's just, is the quarterback going to be good? And if he is, then they'll be good. And if he's not, then they won't. <laughs> and like, it's oversimplifying, but I think it's, easiest answer. I think this is the truest answer. Okay, so let's let's continue to play with the hypothetical of the latter. The quarterback situation isn't great. Um let's say Phil regresses even from where he was at Boston College when he was hurt and playing behind a paper mache offensive line. Do you think that this coaching staff learned from last year's mistakes i.e. hanging on potentially a little bit too long? with Keen Slovis, a.k.a. do you think if Phil struggles, we will see Christian Vayer? I think if he's – yeah, I do. I, I think if he struggles enough, I, I think they will make a change. Um, I, I go back and forth about the situation last year. Um, 
for one thing, I, I think Slovis won the job outright. I, I think he was a better option than Patty. I think everybody on the team, uh, mo- everybody on the team that I've talked to has said that, that like, you know, it, it, you can look back and be like, oh, you know, you know, maybe Patty was better. Maybe Patty would have been the better option. But I, I think in training camp and spring camp, what they showed that Slovis was probably the better guy. Uh, you know, it, it's tricky when you get into that early stretch in October because I think Patty was still hurt from the Tennessee game. And, you know, would you have liked to have been able to put Patty in or, or somebody else in in the second quarter at Louisville after he throws two interceptions at the goal line? Yeah, probably. But if the best option, I forget if Nick Patty even made that trip or if he was healthy enough to play at that point. But if, and I don't think they had the confidence in Nate Yarnell to, to put him out there in that situation in an ACC game. It was one thing to kind of manage and make like three good throws at Western Michigan. But in an ACC game, I think it, it probably, they probably still felt like Keaton was the best option. If there comes a point where they don't feel like Phil is the best option, which I think if he if he has a game like Keaton had at Louisville, and Vare is healthy, I think they'll they'll go with Vare. I, I think they'll put him in. I mean, that was kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think they will. There's always this thought that Narduzzi is just like too loyal and he doesn't bench his quarterbacks. And I always bring up the example of 2017. I mean, he benched Max Brown for Ben Danucci, and he benched Danucci for Max Brown, and then uh, then he benched Danucci for Kenny Pickett. I mean, he benched guy. You know, he, the year before or two years before, he benched Chad Boytick for Nate Peterman. He has he has changed quarterbacks mid season. He's bench guys. It doesn't feel like he benches guys because he had Kenny Pickett for four years. You know, <laughs> and he had right. Nate Peterman for almost two years before that. So for six years, you had basically two starting quarterbacks. So yeah, it feels like well, he just never changes quarterbacks, but he has. A pretty decent, I mean, not a, a lot because he's had the same guy for a bunch of years, but he's done it when he when he felt like it was necessary. And so if he feel if he gets to a point where he feels like Phil is not the guy that's giving them the best chance to win, I, I think he'll make the change. I think they'll go to to Bayer or whoever they feel like is that next best option. Um, I just wonder if we get to that point first, or we get to a point where Phil has to come out of a game because he gets hurt because that's happened like every year. So. I don't know. It, it, I, I fight against that on the message boards all the time about Narduzzi never benching quarterbacks or that he, you know, he, he stuck with Slovis and all this. And even, I mean, even in the Sun Bowl and and I got yelled at by somebody for, they claimed that I was the only one trying to push this narrative. Like in the Sun Bowl, Nick Patty was under 50% completions. I think he was like three or four yards per attempt. I mean, how many touchdowns did they score in the Sun Bowl? You know, they got 15 points off of field goals. And I mean, Grant, he drove them into field goal position and he made monster plays on the game winning drive. Like, I, I'm never going to take that away from him. I mean, the decision to tuck the ball and run for that first down is one of the gutsiest, craziest things I've seen a football player do in a long, long time. Like, I, I watched that clip over and over again. And, and even I interviewed Nick and I was like, man, what was that point where you said, okay, this is what I'm going to do? And when you did that, like, are the consequences, are the consequences weighing on you that like, you've got to get seven or eight yards or however many yards it is. And if you don't, the game's over, you lose, like you either make it there or you lose. And it, it, you watch the play over and over and, and like, he breaks a tackle and he steps out of this and that it's amazing play, but he wasn't that good in the game overall. And so, you know, he wins that game. He makes some great plays on that final drive. And sometimes there's a feeling, oh, he was a better option than Slovis all along. I'm not so sure that that's the case. I mean, it's all, it doesn't matter now. It's all water under the bridge. But like, again, I think if there was a better option available, and who knows, if Patty's healthy, 
for that Georgia Tech game or he's healthy for the Louisville game, maybe Narduzzi does make a change. Um, but by that point, you know, they get out of the month of um, October and then they start winning games again. So even though not all of it was because of the offense in November, but so he sticks with the guy who got him there. And I don't know. So yeah, this year, I think he will make a change if Trigovic is bad. So hopefully uh, we don't have to see that. Yeah, to clarify, he is winning the Heisman, so this was all purely hypothetical. Oh, okay. Got, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I figured that was uh, like assumed. You know what I mean? Just yeah, I hope, I hope I don't have to hear Jerkovic is bad, those three words together, at, at any point, anytime soon. So. I mean, one of his passes will be incomplete, so you know somebody sitting next to you will say it, right? I mean... Oh, my God. It's like you sit in our section. Or I, I actually the press box is the same way, uh, but the uh, the yeah, but I mean I, I read the message boards, you know. I mean the game thread is like being in a section with like hundreds or thousands of people all screaming into your ear at one time. That's what the game thread is like, and every incomplete pass, every time the other team gains a yard, I mean the entire program should be shut down. So it's, it's to good estimate. to have that. It's good you to have, have that document of a do, that document of emotions. It's fun to see it. If you had to estimate, how many times has Narduzzi been fired on Panther? I mean, every game. Every game, somebody says, "Oh, he's clearly not going to. He's never going to get it done. The program's never going to take a step forward." I mean, literally every game. I think in every game thread, you could find a post like that, and it doesn't matter if it's um, what was like the biggest. I mean, probably the Virginia game last year. Like, you know, a game where literally, like literally from the very first play from scrimmage, it was going well from Pitt for Pitt. At some point in that game thread, somebody was like, man, I just don't know about Narduzzi. I think we've seen enough. It's been eight years. <laughs> you know, I mean, like I would almost guarantee that post is in that thread somewhere. Yeah, the next day there was a, we should have won that game by 60 and we didn't because he took his foot off the pedal. Yeah, yeah. How, how, how can you have two pick sixes to open the game and only win by, by that much? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he just doesn't have that killer instinct. He's, you got to win with points in this in college football. And that's not wrong, but, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> be a little reasonable. No. No, we won't be. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the response I get usually when I, make, when I implore people to be reasonable. Yes. Sounds right. And then they contact lawyers. Yes. They let me know that I'll be hearing from their attorney. <laughs> I never heard from an attorney, actually. Unfortunately, all these years of message board moderation, I have yet to be contacted by an attorney. Contacted by an attorney, even people who tell me they are attorneys, I'm never hear from their attorneys. It's crazy. Well, you know, if you do hit up our boy Guido, he doesn't do that kind of law, but this was an opportunity for an ad placement. So, okay, <laughs> I don't know Guido. Do do you want to tell me more about him or his services or a promo code or anything or is <laughs> Personal injury attorney, GuerreraLaw.com, G-U-R-R-E-R-A-L-A-W.com. I hate myself. I hate what we've become. We should probably uh, get to wrapping this up. You should sell out. I mean, the point of doing any of these things is to sell out, right? I mean, isn't that why we all do this? It's a fine line of selling out. Do you guys do it for a different reason? It's not for selling out? All right. Okay. We've gotten cool. some free t-shirts and that was pretty much good <laughs> enough for me. Yeah. I mean, that, that counts. That counts. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we can't tell you how much we, we appreciate having you on one of our favorite guys to talk to. Um, 
just one of the one of the best people in Pittsburgh sports media. Um, but before we let you go and let you enjoy the rest of your Monday night, we need two predictions from you. The first is who is going to win the Camp Hype Train Award this year. Uh, previous years, it has gone to Jalen Twyman, Izzy Banacanda, Bengali Kamara. Um, and then after that, tell us tell us how many games Pitt is going to win this year. Oh. oh, I was hoping that the second one would be like the first one and we wouldn't get around to actual record predictions. So if, if Kamara was the guy before, does that mean I can't pick him again? You're already the conductor of the Bengali Kamara. I, I mean, I am that. driving that thing right. Or, I mean, like I, I'm going coast to coast with it. So I mean, we'll let you I, quadruple down if you want. I, I will. I mean, I, I like the dude is going to be. I mean, he's going to fill the stat sheet. I mean, it's going to be tackles for loss, sacks, interceptions, fumbles. I mean, like he's going to be first team All ACC. He's going to be an NFL draft pick next spring. I mean, it's it's. It, you saw flashes of it last year, and this year it's going to come together, and he's just going to be a force out there. And then on offense, I'm going to go with Bub Means. I, 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 he made two catches in the spring game that I don't think he did anything like that at all in uh, the uh, you know, all of last season, basically. So I think he'll, uh, I think, I think he's going to be the guy that. Uh, what I'm going to just keep saying about him, and I'm going to try and like couch it with enough caveats that I give myself wiggle room to get out of it if it doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, but he's a guy. I think he's got all the physical attributes. That if he can just figure out how to be a consistent wide receiver, if he could be a football player, mm-hmm. like he mm-hmm. can be, I think he could be a stud. I think he can have a thousand yard season. He can catch like eight touchdowns. And I think he can be really good. Cause I mean, like he's got size, he's got speed, he's athleticism and all this stuff. Like you got all the things that you can't teach. Well, all right. So teach him the other things that you can teach. So he could be a really good wide receiver because you need a number one on this team. Um, I like, I think one of my, uh, I probably said this at some point this summer. I'll, I'll predict it a bunch of times. Like I think Mumfield will lead them in receptions. I think Means will lead them in receiving touchdowns. I think he'll be a, a real weapon for them. So you know we're we're getting that train pulling out of the station. You know the Kamara train. That's already that's a few stops down the line. That that thing's that thing's running at full steam. But uh, we'll get we'll get the the Bub Means train going um, too. So he'll he'll be my guy on offense. That I'll probably uh, I'm giving this all away now. I mean, geez, I, I, it's supposed to be a slow build through training camp, you know, like third week of, <laughs> of like, like, you know, I've been really hearing some good things about Bub Means and now I'm, I'm ready to commit to it. I think he is set for a breakout season. Hopefully everybody forgets that I said this like three weeks from now when I actually write that. Um, but yeah, he would probably be my guy and wins. Like, I mean, it like with his schedule, all right, Notre Dame, Florida State, those are tough. Carolina is going to be tough um, just because, like, they're going to need Phil to be able to score with Drake May. You know what I mean? Like, because even last year, they, they did an okay job against May early, but they just couldn't, they couldn't stop him. They couldn't continue stopping him through the second half. And so if that's how it's going to be, then you got to be able to score. And and the, the reality is, for as good as this defense is, and you guys know this as well as I do, they are liable to get 500, and four, you know, 500 yards and 45 points dropped on them at any time by a competent quarterback, right? I mean, we've seen it happen enough. It's not going to happen in every game, but it's always a possibility if you're playing against a good quarterback. And so Drake May is perfectly capable of that kind of performance. So you better be capable of scoring 46, you know? And by week, what is that, week four? Are they going to be up to that up to that level? I don't know. So realistically, I mean, I think they're capable of nine or ten wins. 
you know, reality is probably it's so much of it depends on the quarterback. You know, I mean, I'm sitting here like I'm going to say the reality is probably eight. You know what I mean? And then they win a bowl game and they go nine, nine wins again. And, it, and it's good. And a nine win season is good. Um, but the quarterback's going to be the difference between eight in the regular season, nine with a bowl and, you know, winning nine or 10 in the regular season, maybe going to Charlotte and, uh, you know, really achieving something, you know, and, and having another really big year for the program. It's it's just the quarterback play and it's impossible to predict. So if I have to pick something, I'll pick eight, I guess, nine. If we want to be optimistic, if we want to, you know, say that they'll uh they, they won't have yeah if if we want to because look we'll put you down for 10 <laughs> <laughs> that's great but i mean like if, if we want to say all right even if you give them notre dame florida state and carolina i mean okay that still leaves nine games that you should be able to win you know just don't screw it up like you screwed it up against georgia tech and you screwed it up against louisville you just can't have that kind of mistake. You get your three losses that are acceptable and then win the other. So, I mean, capable of nine, probably going to be eight is my guess right now, unless Phil is great and he throws like 30 touchdowns. If Phil throws 30 touchdowns, maybe if he throws like 28 or 27, I think they're going to Charlotte uh, because I think the defense will catch up by by in time to, to make it count. But I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it. He will, and we are. Right. Yeah. And you so put me down for wins. 10. Got it. <laughs> We're up to 11 now. Good, good. I like it. <laughs> We're counting the bowl game. 11, right? Do I hear 12? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we keep you on here any longer, this this could get ugly quick. Yeah. But, uh... they'll, well, it wouldn't be 12 because they'll lose the tiebreaker, so they won't go to Charlotte. So they'll win 10 in the regular season, but they'll lose the tiebreaker because they lose to – Oh, they beat Notre Dame, but they lose to Carolina and Florida State. So they'll lose a tiebreaker to Florida State, and Florida State will end up in Charlotte, but Pitt will still get to uh, – what bowl game would they probably get with 10 wins? Maybe they'll end up in Charlotte. Cheese it bowl? Belk bowl? Mm-hmm. Which one? Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe Bel- – is Belk bowl still in uh, Charlotte? Is that still – Yeah. Okay, for some reason I thought or is that – that the it... Duke's Mayo? Yeah, it's confusing. They should identify it by their city names. That's easier for me to remember. Well, call it Birmingham. And not their lovely corporate sponsors. <laughs> I mean, unless it's BBVA, I can't. I, I don't associate any. <laughs> I don't associate any uh, sponsor with a bowl game. So that's the only one. There's BBVA Compass, and then there's everything else. The Mayo Bowl is in Charlotte. Thank you. So that that'll be it. So they win ten in the regular season. They lose the tiebreaker to Florida State. And they go to Charlotte to play in the Mayo Bowl. They win, you know, they get their 11th win, and everybody is really excited because Phil opts out and Bayer leads them to victory, completing less than 50% of his passes and 4.3 yards per attempt, but has a monster game winning drive to close it out. There it is. And Narduzzi gets his Mayo Gatorade bath, and we go out in the town, get some wings, and yeah. Catch the Dance first flight to uh, catch the first flight to Atlanta and go to uh, Magic City. If it goes down like this, wings. the four of us are polishing off a full jar of mayonnaise together. You know, I was hoping you were going to say that if it goes down in some way that ends up with Pitt in the Peach Bowl, the four of us would go get some lemon pepper wings <laughs> at Magic City, and I was going to be like, "Yeah, that's, that'll be fun. Let's do it." But you had to go the mail route. That's that's gross. Sorry. 
It's all right. I mean, we'll do what we have to do. But for the love of the game, for the love of the University of Pittsburgh. <laughs> and the love of I'm mayo. not eating mayo for Apparently. anything. Not a jar of mayo. I won't do it. So quit asking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this is spiraling. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. This this was a lot of fun. A lot I feel of like fun. we like I mean, we started off here, you know what I mean? And I feel like we really, we, we hit uh, the top of the mountain and then, and then we sort of ended up back where we began. I, I feel like we, we became full circle mm-hmm. um, on all this. So I, I feel like that was a good, it was, it was a character arc, a character arc, character arc. Uh, I, I feel like for all of us, we wanted to oh, yeah. here. We did, so. we did Campbell's whole hero's journey. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Third act was really strong. I thought it just kind of, as we brought it back to magic city you know and and then you included mayonnaise in it and i don't really want to associate the two <laughs> the two concepts so we'll uh let that one slide out maybe the second act was the strength the strong point of the uh the the show but we did a good job <laughs> thanks Chris. We just cut right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. freeze like a freeze frame like snl like yeah that kind of thing we're usually so good at just like definitive stopping points uh, with interviews, but this is definitely going to be one where we're just in post-production. It's midnight on Sunday and we're just like, ah, fuck well, it. Uh, at, the, at the second joke about strippers and mayonnaise. <laughs> you just, I mean, one of you just needs to step up here and be like, this was great. Everybody have a great week and we'll talk to you next week or something like that. You, you need, someone needs to assert themselves here. And now for our ad. Thank you again to Chris Peak from Panther Lair for joining us. Uh, that was interesting. We, we covered a, a wide range of topics, but I think one thing we can sum up from that is if we're eating lemon pepper wings with Chris Peak sometime in January, it was probably a pretty good season for the Panther. So fingers crossed. Um, but before we let you go, and go on with your week, we've got some final thoughts. Now, these final thoughts are brought to you by Guerrera Law. Now, Squid, this past week, as always, there was high point, low point. Uh, high point, Pitt just landed a four-star running back. Number one player in the state of New Jersey, Yassine Willis. Low point, the Zoo Crew, uh, the legends, the the former players, former Pitt basketball players, kind of got their heads caved in by, Wasn't pretty. by Wasn't Marshall's pretty. alumni team in the TBT. Um, another high point got to see all of those Sam Young pump fakes. Low point watching the Marshall team catch alley oops from half court and dunk on Gilbert Brown. Um, but you know, that's the life of a Panther fan. It's full of highs and lows, and regular everyday life can be the same too. Maybe you're cruising down Bigelow Boulevard, get into an accident, maybe your insurance company isn't treating you fairly, or maybe other firms won't take your case seriously. If you find yourself in a situation where you need help, call Guido at Guerrero Law. He'll help you turn your losses into an ACC championship win. GuerreraLaw.com, that's G-U-R-R-E-R-A-L-A-W.com, or you can call him at 412-229-7757. Guido is licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio and is located right here in Pittsburgh. Um, So to move forward with final thoughts, Squid, I'll let you kick it off for us. Uh, I think I already alluded at one of them in our ad read. Yeah, we'll start with that. Big commitment from 
Justine Willis. It was a, a name we've been hearing about for a while. Back whenever the June official visit frenzy was happening, we thought he might commit. But there were still so many big-name schools after him, you really couldn't get your hopes too high up. But whatever happened, what in the Panthers' favor? Yeah, I mean, he's the number one ranked player in the state of New Jersey. Not, It's not like landing the number one player in North Dakota. Like, New Jersey is loaded with talent every year. So he's a big-time talent, big-time prospect. The, the, his final three were Pitt, Rutgers, and Alabama. Uh, one of those three is not like the other, obviously, considering Rutgers is not the powerhouse that Pitt and Alabama is. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting, you know, recruiting can be weird. Because he has Alabama in that final three, but it's like, is was Alabama really pursuing him? I, I'm going to say they were, and they wanted him, and he was their top priority. Uh, but it's not, sometimes interesting when a when a kid picks Pitt over over in Alabama when it's not a local guy. But hey, we'll take it. Um, can't wait to get him on campus. Six one two twenty power runner looks looks athletic as he- all hell too. So uh, it's a big big landing. For the Panthers recruiting class, they already had Juels Goff from York, Pennsylvania. So it gives them a little bit of thunder and lightning in the backfield for this 2024 class. And it, it was kind of a much needed commitment, I think. Pitt had missed out on a couple four stars, some some guys that we felt pretty good about and felt like maybe some of that momentum was wearing off for this recruiting class. But uh, Narduzzi and company went and landed another big fish. Do yourself a favor, watch his highlights. They're legit. Yeah, he's a grown-ass man. Grown-ass man playing against kids. Um, yeah, that, that's huge. So uh, my final thought is we would be remiss to not talk about the golf outing from last last week out at Quicksilver. Uh, shout out once again, Rendine Consulting, a Snapper 49 for putting that on. We were able to raise over $8,500 for a Snapper 49. Uh, obviously, Byron Floyd's charity to benefit UPMC Children's Hospital. Just an amazing event. And I'm not just saying that because we're a part of it. Uh, it was an awesome day. We had close to 20, maybe two dozen current pit athletes out there. Uh, 25 different foursomes playing. So appreciative of all the fans who came out to play. And I think Anyone will tell you who shows up like it's a great time. So don't miss out on it next year. Um, but just really appreciative of all everyone who came out. The players appreciative of us. Like, thank you for having us. It's like, thank you for coming out and spending your day golfing with us. Um, and all the fans who came out and just, you know, made very good job of not being weird around student athletes. Just having a good day on the links, showing some guys how to play some golf if they don't play, or maybe showing them some pointers if they do. And uh, the the Patties were there, but they did not bring home the, the championship this year. They were not able to defend last year's, uh, I guess, I think they were 12 under last year. The winning score was a 59 this year. So, um, sorry, I don't have the names of the winners off the top of my head. Yeah, it was a competitive year. I know last year was thrown together quick. There are a lot of people out there like us who aren't the best golfers and are more there for just hanging out, having some beers, talking about pit. This year, it was competitive too. So on top of the the fun pit fan experience, there was some good golf being played for a change. Uh, a lot of guys were telling us 
we can't wait to come back next year. We've got to hit top golf in the driving range a few times. They were obviously super competitive. I know Blake Hinson was uh, maybe the most competitive. He was out there trying to make putts all day. Eventually got one in, but uh, these guys are so good at everything. It's frustrating to not be amazing at a game like golf when they see like guys who are like five foot eight, like 150 us. pounds, like hitting the fairway, making putts, chipping. They're like, how is that guy better at a sport than I am? So they're competitive, uh, real good sports, hanging out uh, with the fans. Great. I always say it. Great candid environment to get uh, to chat with these guys a little bit about sports, get their perspectives on pit, all kinds of fun stuff before the season actually gets going. So we're excited to see these guys uh, take the field soon, but thought we got to have some fun before then. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know there was some Derek Davis hype out there for, for pit fans. That's just, you know, these guys don't have any reason to BS us when we're just talking to them out on the golf course. So that was good to hear. Um, just wanted to say once again, Squid and I played with Gavin Bartholomew for the second straight year. We also brought on our a third. Uh, David did not play. He just cruised around the cart, took pictures. As he said, he's retired from the game of golf. Uh, but Mike Vaughn, shout out to Mike Vaughn as our fourth member of our foursome. Stuck uh, on a par three, stuck one to about six inches, and that allowed Blake Henson to hit his first celebrity putt of the day. So I know that made Blake's day. So thank you, Mike. And Gavin, I w- talking about like these guys being good at everything, Gavin Bartholomew, obviously like 6'5", 250 pounds, he just absolutely mashes the ball. There was two shots on the day outside of his several drives that we used that went 300 plus yards. But uh, the first one, I want to say it was hole 15 and we were about 245 off the green and he pulls out a five iron. And I'm like, I mean, I would beg to get this like almost to the green with, with my three wood, but he pulls out a five iron and we, and we're like, did you rope that? And we go to look for the ball and we can't find it. We're like, ah, maybe send it in the water over here. But no, it was just on the other side of the green. So he hit a five iron about 260. And then on the 17th hole, uh, we were about 195 out. He pulls out a seven iron, sticks one to about eight feet. And we eagled that hole to finish four under for the day. So, yeah, these guys are just absurd athletes. If they play the game enough, they figure it out. And, uh, yeah, the, watching him hit a golf ball is a sight to see. Yeah, they all have fun, even if they aren't that good. I know Dayon, he said his game improved from a 0 out of 10 to a 1 out of 10. His putting was uh, nice this year, he said. So these guys love getting out there, giving it a shot a little bit. I believe the quote was, uh, my putting's nice. I almost made one. Yeah, so it's baby steps. Uh, Phil Jerkovic, QB1, good outing. He allegedly made like a 60-foot putt. I love to hear that. Mm -hmm. Ice in his veins, just steps up. No nerves, buries from downtown. I'm sure we'll see some 60-yard bombs on the field this year. All I know is two years ago, Kenny Pickett wins the outing. Last year, Nick Patty wins the outing. Both have iconic moments in a bowl game or in an ACC championship game in a bowl game. So it only makes sense that you know Phil has an iconic moment at the outing and an iconic moment during the season that we'll be waiting for. Uh, but yeah, once again, thank you to everyone for coming out. And uh, thank you for all of you for listening to this episode. Thank you to Chris Peak for coming on, spending the day with us. And I guess, hey, everyone, it's football season. It's back. Even if it's just training camp, we are back. The pads are on and we're ready to go. We're just about a month from being in the gold lot to watch our Pitt Panthers. So 
Uh, we'll have a lot coming out for you this August. We're getting ready for the season. It's a busy, busy time for us, but uh, we couldn't be more excited. So, as always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh.